Pastor Chris's podcast. The Transformers, more than meets the eye. Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. The Transformers, robots in disguise. The Transformers, more than meets the eye. So we are in the middle of a sermon series called The Transforming Powers of the Holy Spirit, The Transforming Gifts of the Holy Spirit, because when I was a child, I used to love the Transformers, the cartoon series and the little toys that we would play. These were little robots that you could transform into a, a race car or a jet airplane or construction equipment or all different kinds of things. One of them was a, a robot named Ratchet that would transform into an ambulance. And that was a pretty cool toy to have. But we were looking at that because um, I had this idea that those transformers would transform, but then they would do another transformation that reminds me so much of what the Bible tells us about the church. The Autobots. The team of the Autobots would transform into robots, and then all of the different robots, I think there were five different robots, and they would combine together to make one gigantic robot. One robot would be one leg, and another robot would be the other leg, and one robot would become the body, and then there were two robots would be the arms, and one would be the head, and it would be this big robot that all came together. And the robots were powerful uh, warriors by themselves, but when they came together as one big body, they were even more effective. And that is what Jesus, uh, what the scriptures tell us about the church. That all of us have the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God has transformed us from our old person to a new creation. When we believe in Jesus Christ, he fills us with the Holy Spirit that begins to transform our lives. But then another transformation is possible. When we come together as the family of God, as the church, the Bible actually says that we make up the body of Christ. And so one person is a leg, and another person is an arm, and one person is an eye, and one person is a mouth. And we all have different functions that God has empowered us to do. And we use them together as the church to transform the world as we make disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's an amazing idea. And so we are studying the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are the special powers that the Holy Spirit gives us to, so that we can serve in God's kingdom. Romans chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, lists seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that transform us so we can transform the world. There are other lists in the New Testament that share other gifts, but we've been using Romans 12 because the number of gifts is not the important issue. It is understanding that God has given us a gift and that we are to use it for the benefit of others and for the benefit of his church. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, it lists seven gifts. And these are the ones that we are going through in this series. The first one we looked at last week was prophecy. And then there is serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and kindness. And so today we are going to look at the second gift, the transforming gift of service. And in order to do that, I want to read to you from Luke chapter 17 and verses 7 through 10. Luke 17, 7 through 10. This is Jesus speaking. 
When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, from this passage, we learn several important ideas about serving and servants. First of all, a servant is one who does things that need to be done. Important things that might not get that might get overlooked because they aren't necessarily the things that most people think about. But if left undone, it will lead to serious problems. So in the passage, um, it lists plowing as one of the things that a servant might be doing. Plowing. So plowing is digging up the earth. And uh, it's not a glamorous job. It's a kind of a dirty, hardworking job. But it's an important job. If somebody's not plowing up the fields, then you can't plan. You're not going to have a good harvest. You're not going to have food. So we focus on the food which we are hungry, we want food, we, want, we like the taste of the food, but we don't think about all of the serving and the work that went into making that happen through the plowing. A uh, servant in the passage may be taking care of the sheep. We love to have our meat on the table uh, for dinner time, but if you're not taking care of the sheep, making sure their hooves are, are taken care of, and making sure that they're, medi they're getting the medicine and the food and the water and all that they need, those are things we overlook, but a servant is doing that. Cooking dinner is another thing that the servant does. Cooking the master's meal, serving the master before they eat themselves. These are things that a servant is doing in the passage. Um, a servant puts the needs of others before their own needs. So after, in the passage, after working all day, the, the servant doesn't come in and sit down and eat themselves. No, they come in and the work's not done. They have to now cook the master's meal and seat the master down at the table and make sure that the master has the food that they eat. Now, why, does they, why do they do that? Because they are the servant. And they, they are either being paid to do that job or sometimes in ancient society, it was just their role in life. They were the servant. Nobody questioned that. Uh, everybody would have understood the master eats before the servant because that's the servant's job. It is that identity. Their purpose is to serve the master. So they always make sure the master gets what they need before they even worry about themselves. Another thing, a servant doesn't expect to be thanked. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. So um, maybe the master would be kind and be compassionate and would thank the servant. But, you know, when you go out to eat, I would imagine, I would hope that as Christians, we're all kind, we're all polite. When our waitress or waiter comes and serves us, we're going to be kind to them. And we're going to say thank you. Thank you for serving me. But, you know, technically, they're being paid to do that job. So you don't have to thank them. That thanks comes in their paycheck, right? But we're compassionate, so we thank them. But a servant doesn't expect to be thanked. 
They're just doing what they're supposed to do. Now, I, I kind of mentioned that robot in the Transformers group called Ratchet. Ratchet was a transforming medic. He would transform from an ambulance into a robot. And whenever one of the Transformers was injured or they needed a repair, Ratchet the medic would go serve that robot. They would fix whatever needed to be fixed. And I thought about that, and I thought about some of those kinds of people in our society. Police officers, uh, medics, EMTs, firefighters. What do we call them? We call them public servants. Their job is to do those things that we don't think about. There are things that are very important, but you don't think about how important it is to have a medic or an EMT until you need it, right? You don't think about how important the job of a police officer is until you have some, an intruder in your house and have to call for help. You don't think about how important firefighters are until your house is on fire or your church is on fire and you need it, the fire to be put out. Now, out of respect, because we are more aware today of how important those jobs are, and we want to show our gratitude to public servants, and we thank them, and we honor them. And sometimes we even call them heroes. But how many times have you seen, say, a firefighter who rushed into a burning building and saved someone's life, and everybody on the news says, oh, he's a hero, he's a hero, and then they, they cut to the microphone in front of the firefighter's face, and they're calling him a hero, and what does the firefighter usually say? I'm not a hero. I'm just doing my job. Right? That's the attitude of the servant. Nothing special about me. I'm just doing my job. A servant, that's the way they think. What he said. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, from this scripture, we, we, we see something about the makeup of the very best servants. All believers who follow Jesus Christ as Lord are called to serve. In fact, Lord Jesus came to serve himself. He was the Lord of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet, he came to serve, not to be served. He set the example. He left the glory of heaven to come down to do what we could not do for ourselves. We had a problem. There is sin in our lives, and there's a penalty for sin, there's a price for sin, and we cannot pay that price. There is no, nothing we can do ourselves to solve the sin problem we have in our lives. And Jesus saw that this was a problem. This was a need that needed to be fixed. And so he left the glory of heaven to come down and to pay the price for us, to save us from our sin. And while he was here, he didn't sit back and expect everyone else to serve him. Instead, he served everyone else. And he said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. He showed that he is the greatest because he was the greatest servant. 
All believers are called to serve because we follow Jesus Christ and we're supposed to do as he did. But some believers have an, the exceptional Holy Spirit-empowered gift to serve others. Gifted servants have a special ability to pinpoint exactly what needs to be done and then finding ways to get those things done. And they're serving frees other people up to work and be more effective. Because of what they have done behind the scenes, other people can do things on stage or out in front. Gifted servants do those things. And gifted servants usually don't need or even want recognition. Their greatest reward is knowing that the job was done. And because it was done, it made a difference in the overall mission. They don't care if anybody ever knows that they did it, but they feel rewarded because they see the team fulfilling its mission. The very best servants are the ones that you can trust to get the job done without you ever having to watch over them the whole time. You don't have to ask them. You just trust them to figure out what needs to be done, how best to do it, and make sure it gets done. Most of the time, they do the work without you even being aware that it's getting done. Now, some people, some people would feel taken for granted if they did it, if they, they did something and, and, and nobody knew that they did it. They would feel like they would take it for granted. Nobody said thank you. But a true servant sees that this is just part of their purpose. This is who they are. This is who God made them to be. When they do their job really well, when they use the Holy Spirit's power to serve, no one will notice. Because they've done it so well, nobody even knew it needed to be done. For instance, this morning, we had trouble getting the candles to light. Why was that? You know, because a servant in the church, every Sunday, Tom Dixon comes in and he brings water and he puts it on the pulpit and the lectern and he goes to these candles and he makes sure that the wicks are just right. He takes out the candles, makes sure that they haven't melted all down. Did you think about whether the candles were melted down or not this morning? You didn't think about that. We don't think about that kind of stuff. But there's a servant who comes in and does. And guess what? The servant wasn't here today. <laughs> and we were all affected by it. Thankfully, he puts water out here, so we got water. And I'm getting choked up because my, my voice is getting dry because I'm talking and praying and singing and all that. And, and um, if I didn't have this water, I might not get through this message. Which means you might get to lunch early, so you might walk back. <laughs> but a servant does these little things. And a servant doesn't care to get... You know, they're not worried about whether people say thank you or anything like that. Tom Dixon, you might not know this. You know Tom, he's the guy that stands here. He's the mayor of Arnell. And he's a water boy at Pleasant Grove. I mean, think about that. Think about that. That is a servant's heart. He doesn't care that putting out water for people is sometimes viewed as a lowly job, menial thing. You know, he's a servant. And there are so many different servants 
in, in this church. If I were to try to name them all, I would get myself in serious trouble because I would miss so many because I don't even know what all the different servants do because that's the mark of a great servant. You don't even know that something needs to be done. They do it. Nobody knows that they did it, but it's done. And because it's done, the mission can be fulfilled. That's a servant. So the question today is, are you a servant? Are you a servant that God wants to use to help transform life? Do you have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you serve exceptionally well? A true gifted servant, you, you, can, sort of, you can sort of begin to identify them if you listen to what they say. Even if you listen to how you talk in your own life. Because they like to say things like, I like to do useful things, helpful things to help people. I show my feelings by what I do for others more than what I say. I prefer doing a job myself instead of delegating it to someone else. I like to assist people in a practical way. If I see them struggling, I like to come alongside and help them. It really fulfills me. If that's you, you just might have the Holy Spirit's power to be a servant. And God wants you to use that to help transform the world. We need gifted servants here at Pleasant Grove. All over the place. For example, fixing things. Terry's on the way, he's got to go check on his kids or whatever, but he likes to fix things. We need people to fix things. This is a huge facility. Do you know how many toilets there are in this, built, in this church? I've lost count. There are five, five air conditioners that run in the province building. There are three that run down the hallway. That's eight. There's one big one that cools the sanctuary. That's nine. There's three in the fellowship hall. I've lost count. See, how many different, how many things can go wrong? How many light bulbs that need to be changed? How many candles that need to be refilled? There's things everywhere that need to be fixed and done. And we need people who have a talent for fixing things. That can go around and just look and see that something needs to be done and do it. Um, don't have to ask for permission. You know, don't have to just pay a servant, just sees that it needs to be done, figures out how we get the parts for it, how do we fix it, how do we get it done, and then they're done. And they feel glad that they were able to help. Well, maybe you're saying, well, I'm not good at fixing things. I'm just breaking. Maybe I'm not a servant. Well, that's just one way to serve. What about children's ministry and youth ministry? You say, well, I'm not a teacher. I can't teach kids. I can't teach youth. You don't have to teach. That's not what a servant does. We have very gifted uh, Amy Harris. She's wonderful, full of energy and ideas and creativity to teach you. Joanna Stubbs is a teacher. She's gone to school for it. She knows how to do it. She can teach. But we need servants. A teacher teaches, but who's going to wipe the noses of the kids? Who's going to be with the kid when it needs to go to the bathroom? Teacher's teaching. They can't just stop and take the kid to the bathroom. That's what a servant does. How about Amy Harris puts together a trip to go to the beach in Florida? 
She can take them down there, but she can't do it by herself. She doesn't need someone to teach a lesson necessarily. She just needs somebody to be there, to be hands and feet, to chaperone. So that's another way you can serve. Well, that's not me. What about Wednesday night suppers? We have great meals on Wednesday night, and Vince cooks a great meal. But we gotta have hands to put the food out. We gotta have people putting salt shakers out on the tables, wiping off the tables after it's over, washing the dishes when it's done. You know, servants do those kinds of things. You know how many light switches there are in this building? Do you know how many doors have to be locked and could potentially be left unlocked? A servant is the kind of person that could just stop by one day when nobody else is here walk through the entire building and just check the doors. Did this one get left unlocked? No, it's good. Did this, oh, yep, that one got left unlocked. Let me lock it. Somebody left the light on in the corner build, corner classroom of the Promise Building, and nobody's going to be in that room for three more weeks, and that light's going to be left on for three weeks. How much energy is going to be wasted? And they noticed it, and they flipped the switch. Nobody ever knew that they did that, but they might have saved the church $50 by doing that. Counting money. We are so glad that y'all are generous and you give money and it's in the offering plate. But guess what? Something's got to happen to this now. It doesn't magically go from there to the bank. There's a bunch of little steps in between. It's going to start right after the church service. A group of people is going to take that money to one of the classrooms and they're going to count it. You know how many coins might be in that offering plate. They got to count out dime, dime, nickel, nickel, penny, penny, dollar bill, five dollar bill. They got to count it all. They got to wrap it all up. They got to wrap it all up for them. And then they got to put it in the safe. We need people to do that kind of thing. Planning events. You say, well, plan I'm not a planner. I don't have great ideas. I don't have a vision for some creative way to do ministry. That's fine, because we have creative people that can do the ministry. But you know what? Here's the thing. People that are really creative come up with great ideas, and they have no idea how to make it happen. And we ought to have a car show. We can pull all these classic cars out of the car in, in the parking lot, and we can have people from all over the community coming, and we can hand out you know, Bibles, or we can have a little mini-sermon or whatever. We can teach people about Jesus. It's a great idea. I have no idea how we're going to get that done. How do you do that? Who's the, we need people who can say, all right, well, we're going to have a car show. Let's have this, and let's do this, and we need plan for this and plan for that. We need people that do that. That's the kind of things a service does. All right. Jesus talked about service, and I want to end with this. It's from John chapter 13. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing it.